Welcome back to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is Dylan Maddox, and I am so glad that you could join us yet again. Slight change of plans for this week's episode, but before I tell you about those slight changes, please do me a huge, giant favor and head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to fine podcasts like this one and give the Bandroom a rating and a review because... This really helps others find the podcast, and what a wonderful holiday gift that would be for everyone. So due to unforeseen circumstances, we've changed our episode release plans, but don't fret. Next week, you'll be able to hear my conversation with conductor and music educator, Dr. Leah McRae, coordinator of instrumental activities at the State University of New York, Geneseo, also known as SUNY Geneseo. In replacement of that, we will bring you a little bit of a taste of what life would be like if you decided to become a patron of BRP through supporting us through Patreon. I'm excited to share with you our first ever bonus episode, which I've entitled Band Trips Gone Wrong. Featuring some uh, hilarious stories from last episode's guests, Laura Lee Matthew of Aurelia Secondary School and Dan Austin of Guelph Collegiate Vocational Institute. I hope this episode brings you memories of the good old days when we could go on band trips with our students. And hopefully it has you looking forward to making new memories when we are back in action. Be them funny, exciting, shocking, or anything else. Uh, and if you have any crazy band trip stories that you would like to share with us, send them to hello at bandroompod.com. That's a, our email. And we may read them in a future episode of The Bandroom. I've already had a number of music teachers tell me that they have some great stories. So please, 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 please send them in and let, let the whole world benefit from your misfortunes. In the meantime, um, please stay tuned in for the whole episode because we will be featuring our piece of the month, which is by Armando Bajolo, his piece, Last Breaths, performed by Dr. Tom McCauley, who is actually going to be a guest in the new year, and the Montclair State University Wind Symphony, featuring soloist Al Jabril Mohammed. But right now, here are some stories of bus drivers, fire alarms, and kung fu... Here we are, the first ever bonus episode. Wow, it feels really different than the actual interview. Um, <laughs> I never, I was, I was really trying to think this week where I met both of you, and I, I guess it was at band festivals. So I thought it would be interesting. And since you're both just veteran music educators, I'm sure you have lots of stories. But Are you I was calling wondering... me old? No, no. I said vet. vet. Oh, I guess. No, vets could be young. <laughs> I wondering... Oh, no. I'll just keep digging the hole. <laughs> uh, this is not good. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I was wondering if you could share one of your most exciting band festival band trip stories with us. So it could be funny. It could be shocking. It could just be plain insane. <laughs> Let's start with Laura Lee. Okay, so this one is, the whole trip was an exciting uh, fiasco, actually. So we're from Aurelia, a couple hours, an hour and a half north of Toronto. We were traveling to Montreal. 
Okay, now we weren't actually playing in a festival, but we were doing some work with the associate conductor of the Montreal Symphony, so that was kind of cool. But our trip started with our bus driver turning the wrong way on the 401. Classic. So we knew this was going to be an adventurous trip. We eventually get to where we pick up our actual bus driver, and we're like, phew, got rid of the guy that didn't know which way to go on the 401, and we're all good. Well, we get to Montreal, and at 4.30 in the morning, I hear this faint sound. I thought I had set my iPad on an alarm at 4.30 in the morning. And I'm like, well, that was weird. I go and check my iPad. No, no alarm. I'm like, hmm. I was traveling with Robin Watson at the time. She was my colleague. And I'm like, huh. Maybe it's the fridge, the fridge doors open. We had a little fridge in our room. I'm like, maybe the fridge door is open. And you know, when you leave it open, it, it beeps every so often. Mm-hmm. No, the fridge was closed. So I'm like rambling around in the room trying to figure out where this sound is coming from. And so then I'm like trying to find Robin's phone because I'm like, well, maybe her alarm is going off. But why in goodness would she be setting that for 4.30 in the morning? We don't have to meet the students until 8. Um, so... Robin by this time has woken up and we're like, I think that's the fire alarm. And we're like, that's the fire alarm. <laughs> so it wasn't really loud. Dan, you know how loud it is in the school. Oh, it's definitely, yeah. No, we're close to that loudness, right? So Robin and I grab our shoes. And at the very last minute, Robin yells, grab the list, which is the student list. Because we yeah. have students with us, right? <laughs> That has like the rooming list, right? Again, who would have thought? So then we have to go knocking on all the doors to get the kids out of their rooms because it's a fire alarm. So we get them all out of the um, their rooms. We all go downstairs. And then like, you know, I'm waiting at the last room's door because the kids had to put clothes on special. Like they couldn't come out the way they were, which I understand. But anyway, so I'm like, come on, come on, we got to go. Just grab some sweatpants, whatever. We get downstairs and... Um, the front staff, the one person working was all in a tizzy because the alarm's going off. Anyway, we, we, we all stayed together as a group, no sign of smoke, no sign of anything, but the alarm is still going off. And the guy's like, it's okay. It's a false alarm. So the students are all like, can we just go back to our rooms? And we're like, no, we need to stay together. Cause we honestly, we still aren't convinced that it's not a real fire. So we all stay in the lobby. And we thought we could go outside, but we'll wait until the fire trucks arrive. Well, there, there never were any fire trucks, but the alarm was going off. So that started at 4.30 in the morning. At 7.30 in the morning, we're still in the lobby, all of us together. And the students were like, can we not just go back upstairs to sleep? And we're like, well, no, because they haven't identified the issue, whether it's a wiring issue or whatever. So we want to make sure you guys are with us so mm-hmm. that if we have to evacuate as quick, we can just get out of the building. So um, anyway, so all of that is occurring. And I got some great photos, by the way, of kids sleeping and some drool, some don't drool. It was was awesome. But every like 40 seconds, the alarm goes off. So then we go for breakfast. Our school rule when we're on band trips is you come to breakfast dressed. Don't come in your pajamas. So this was the first time we broke our own rule because we (laughs) were all in our pajamas. And then. So, but breakfast was starting. So anyway, we, we go do that. So we're like, okay, well, that's a first for us. 
So we thought, okay, well, that's the last adventure for this trip. We'll go on and do our other things. No. So the next adventure is that night we went to see the Montreal Symphony. And we were sitting behind the orchestra, so in the choir loft. And they had a, I think it was an organ concerto that was being performed and some other really great works. But we had been up since 4.30 in the morning. Right? So we're sitting in the area and it was kind of, it's really cool i think when you get to sit there because you can actually lean over and kind of see like all the black notes on the page and you, like we watched how many times the first chair french horn player emptied their um had to disassemble all the tubing and like we're you know <laughs> emptying the water which was kind of cool um but the audience can see you <laughs> exactly so <laughs> sitting there and you know how sometimes when the music is just so peaceful and so lovely, your eyes just sort of close because you're just enjoying it and you can listen a little bit better. Unfortunately, that was happening. And then we kind of started to do this, the head bob, right? So it was kind of embarrassing. So the kids were kind of like nudging us. because, like, And again, it was because we were up so early in the morning. But so that was our um, one adventure. And then we had one other adventure um, when we were traveling to Boston, uh, we had some, again, bus bus driver issues. They couldn't read a map. We went over to <laughs> Salem, to the Witch Museum. Yep. And I did, you have to take a tunnel to get there. Mm. That's where the airport is. So we got over there fine. But then for some reason on the way back, our driver didn't think he'd fit through the tunnel. But you fit on the way there? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Why would they build a tunnel that's only one way? <laughs> anyway, so we uh, we were late for our next activity because our driver didn't think he could get through the tunnel, so he thought there was another way to get back to where we needed to go. Um, but then every single night, we couldn't ever, on, first, on the first try, get to our hotel. He could never get us to the hotel. And then we went to um, a baseball game. And my colleague, unfortunately, was not well. She was not feeling well. Mm-hmm. We had seafood earlier in the day. Maybe it just disagreed, whatever. She was not well. It was pouring rain. So we were sopping wet. Baseball game. Um, was suppo- the bus, the schedule said the bus would pick us up at 10 o'clock or the end of the game. Well, at 10 o'clock, the game was not over. So I'm like, well, maybe I should go out and tell the bus driver we're going to wait till the end of the game. So it might be another 30 minutes, 45 minutes or whatever. I go, can't find the bus. So I'm like, well, that's fine. It says until the game's over. So maybe he's listening on the radio and knows that the bus will be delayed. Game's finished. Students are all accounted for. We're all together. We all leave. We're all waiting for a bus. Can't find the bus. Bus isn't there. And it's not our regular bus driver because um, he was over his amount of time his hour. So it was like a charter. So we're standing outside. We're all wet because it had rained the whole game and it's cold and it's late. It's like 1130 at night, no bus. So I walk around the whole building, can't find the bus. Um, the male chaperone that was with us, who's a science teacher, he walks around the whole building and then up a couple blocks, no bus. They've now closed the, the park. So we can't even go back in. And, uh, we're like, what are we to do like we don't even we're not even in the downtown area for a hotel like it's not like we can even walk so 
the colleague, Rob, he's like, well, I'll go walk up and see if I can find like a coffee shop or a bar that's open that will let the students in just so we can be dry, like just (laughs) in a dry sort of area. (laughs) So he goes off. In the meantime, I'm calling our company that did the organizing of the tour. And uh, they were great. They're like, oh, well, this isn't good. How about you contact our bus driver? And they will sort out getting a new charter for us in the morning. He'll come and get us. So I call the hotel. And do you think I could remember my bus driver's name? No. So that's fine. Um, Because we're there under a particular company. Mm -hmm. But there was actually two music schools there. A guy that I went to university with, he was there with his band from Sutton District. So that was kind of a nice little (laughs) reunion on a band trip. Anyway, I ended up talking to his bus driver, which isn't my bus driver. And I apologize profusely because I woke up the wrong person or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit of a dead end. While that whole conversation was going on with me talking to the wrong bus driver about him trying to come and get us and all of that, I get a message from Rob, the male chaperone. He found our bus, the charter. It was three blocks away and the driver was asleep in the back. He had <laughs> fallen asleep. <laughs> so we're like, we've been standing outside for like, far too long waiting for this bus so he gives me directions all of the students we go we get in the bus and the guy's like okay now where do i take you we're like you don't even know where we're going i rob was gonna lose it on them right so we're like i the company we used always gave us a great binder of stuff so i rip out the binder with the map and (laughs) hand it to the driver and like everybody's so asleep passed out the back of the bus So we finally get back to our hotel. But of course, nobody can find the hotel that we're at. And it's the same street, but the other side of the street is a different town. So that makes it a a problem. But eventually we make it back to our hotel. But that was like the most excitement. That was a very long explanation. (laughs) I used to to work for, before I was uh, working as a music teacher, I worked for a school band trip company. And there were so many hilarious bus mishaps but anyway it seems to be a common theme how about you sir oh i got a few um oh well i'll start with a good bus one so we we went to england a couple years ago up to the harrogate festival and great festival but we stay at this like private school up in england up in the north but we decided we wanted to see london the kids need to go for a tour so we stayed the last night in london and they took us on a bus tour but it took like about an hour and a half, like longer than it was supposed to. We get back to the hotel and the bus driver says, legally, I cannot start the bus till this time in the morning. Now we have a flight to catch. It's not like, you know, we're just going on tour. We have to get to the airport to get on a plane. He will not start the bus. Like he's like, by law, I have to rest this bus for eight hours or whatever the legal amount of time was in England. So we get on the road to the airport an hour and a half late to get into to London. And we're flying out of Gatwick, which is the smaller airport in London. Mm-hmm. Still, it's London. It's a very busy airport. We go through security, we're going through customs, and one of our students has a uh, Japanese passport, but he is a Canadian <laughs> citizen. Yeah. And he was told by the travel company, you're fine, you can travel with that passport, no problem. The law changed the week we were there. Like literally that week. And they're like, yeah, he can't come in back into Canada. 
So we had to call the Canadian embassy and get an emergency travel visa for this kid. We're already half an hour late, you know, getting to the airport, trying to get on the planes. We're rushing through the, this thing. And one of the teachers stays behind with the student because he's at, he's at customs. Like they're not letting him through. So we have one teacher with this kid waiting. The rest of us are rushing through. And of course, we're trying to like, if you've ever flown with instruments, they got to be weighed. They swab them for drugs. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, these are high school yeah, kids. In the Put the damn trumpet on the plane. <laughs> we're running through the airport. And the only way to get to where we're going is um, this area that uh, you have to walk through like a perfume shop to get to where our flight is. And one of our kids is deathly allergic to perfume. And she's like, we got to go around this, this other way. And I'm like, our plane's leaving in five minutes. Hold your breath. You got And we literally grabbed <laughs> this kid, put her on our shoulders and ran, That's carrying this kid, holding her breath through the perfume <laughs> shop area. It was probably about 30 seconds, but it just looked ridiculous. We get to our plane and it starts loading. That kid's still not there. And we're like, all right, like this one teacher, Kevin, and this kid, they're going to be stuck in England. And as the plane w- doors are shutting, the two of them walk on the plane. Like they just made it onto this flight to get back. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to leave a kid in England. Like we're going to have to leave a kid in another country. Worst places. Because, oh, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we've had that. Another one, we were, when we were at nationals in Ottawa. This was in 2019. We brought a massive group. Like we had five bands, five bands or choirs were performing. So we brought a supervisor who had never been on the trip before. Mm-hmm. He'd never been on a music trip. And he's, he was really excited because, you know, his daughter's singing in the choir. And it was a chance for him to come on one of these trips with us. And this trip was a disaster. We were in the hospital every day of that trip. We had a kid the first night get violently ill. I don't know if it was food poisoning or what it was. And she was a choir kid. And we're like, we don't want her rooming with four other kids because we don't want like some stomach bug going through her entire choir who has to sing in two days. So we bought her her own room and ended up putting her in her own room. And we, but we took her to the hospital. So she was like getting fluids and stuff. So this guy on his first day on the trip had to take her to the hospital because all the rest of us are directing ensembles or at concerts or whatever. Right. <laughs> and the next day we get back, we have a kid who's like, going into shock because she takes some sort of medication she forgot to bring on the trip. And so we got to take her to the hospital to get her medication filled. Same thing. This guy's got to take her to the hospital while we're taking kids to concerts and performances. (laughs) So finally, the third day is like, awesome. I'm going to get to hear my daughter sing with the choir. He's at the church where the choir sings. We have a kid pass out. (laughs) The kid passes out outside. And it ends up like she just was probably hadn't eaten enough or wasn't feeling very good. But we look at, you know, those medical forms you get. The kid's got a pre-existing heart condition. We're like, well, we have to take her to the hospital. So for the third day in a row, the same guy has to take the kid to the hospital, never sees his daughter perform with the choir, literally spent the entire trip to Ottawa in the hospital with kids. And after that, he's like, I'm, I'm never coming on a band trip. There's no way I'm That's fair. Coming. And we told him, like, it never happens, you know. Yeah. Now but, he's a certified paramedic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When you when you do these festivals, you get all like even we were in uh, 2013 in Toronto. The Nationals were at U of T Mm -hmm. and we loaded the bus and started to drive through downtown Toronto to get out. And it was the game that the Maple Leafs were beating Boston in the playoffs and gave up like four goals in about 
10 minutes and lost the game. And there was a riot in downtown Toronto. And we're stuck in a bus with hockey fans throwing mailboxes in the middle of Young Street and like (laughs) kicking over stuff. And we're stuck in the middle of a riot with a group of kids in a bus. We couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> it was just the kids rolled their windows down and were waving to people going by. And, you know, when you go on these trips, you never know what you're going to get. But that's part of the fun. That's totally yeah. part of the fun of them. <laughs> yeah, I can think of another F word. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. And I really hope that we have no bus driver fans of the band room that happen to join Patreon, which is fairly unlikely. Yeah. I'll tell you one that you'll love as a clinician and an adjudicator. When we were in Vancouver um, for nationals, I guess this was 15 or 16. I can't remember. But um, I had, you know how like in your groups, you have that one kid who's a little bit different, (laughs) a little bit different than everybody else. So we had this one kid who played um, euphonium and he loved Kung Fu. He was into like martial arts. Okay. And I don't remember who the adjudicator was. It was... Whoever the adjudicator was, can't remember, but he was trying to explain a concept to the kids. And he said, you know, hey, uh, is anybody in here into martial arts? And this kid's hand shot up in the back of the room and all the other kids put their hands down. And the adjudicator says, all right, I want you to hit my hand. Oh, no. And he holds his hand up. (laughs) This kid comes up and clocks this adjudicator as hard as he possibly can. The adjudicator's hand comes back and hits him in the face. And I'm, I'm basically sitting there with myself and one of the other guys on the trip. Cause when the kids are in cl- clinic, you're usually sitting off to the side and he whispers to me, he's like, did, did your student just punch the adjudicator in the face? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think uh, we're never going to be asked back to this festival again. And it, it was just crazy. The adjudicator asked him, but the kid clocked him. Yeah. I'd okay. never seen anything like it. Note to self, don't use any Kung Fu metaphors or analogies. (laughs) Got it. Anyway, so on that wonderful last story, I want to thank both of you for for sharing those with us. And I hope that our our zero Patreon fans enjoy it. Who knows? Maybe this will inspire many to join. Um, But thank you so much for the time that we did for the interview and for this bonus episode. I'm now. I could keep going if you want. Oh, no, I'm going to hang (laughs) up. for having us Dylan that was awesome This month's featured piece is a very powerful one. It's Armando Bajolo's Last Breaths. Here is some information on the piece from the composer himself. In December 2014, a grand jury in New York declared police officer Daniel Pentaglio not liable in the choking death of Eric Garner, a street vendor of Lucy cigarettes who posed no violent threat to Officer Pentaglio or those around him, and was killed in a display of police arrogance and brutality that is sadly all too common, especially against African Americans in the United States of America in the 21st century. A month before, the town of Ferguson, Missouri, a subdivision of St. Louis, a city close to my heart, exploded in sometimes violent demonstrations when another grand jury acquitted police officer Darren Wilson in the shooting death of Michael Brown, who was unarmed. The Ferguson riots were not only an explosion of rage from the increasingly marginalized community, but also proved a demonstration of the increased militarization of police forces in the United States. 
I do not tend to write a lot of specifically political pieces, but the events above are merely a drop in an increasingly bloody bucket and angered a lot of people, including myself. In last breaths, I join my voice in the outcry against these growing injustices. The piece began as a much more straightforward set of songs for Loadbang, with whom I'd been trying to find a collaborative project for some time. But by December 2014, after the Ferguson riots and the Eric Garner decision, I needed to join my voice to the growing outcry, however humbly. In 2016, my friend and Great Noise Ensemble colleague, David Vickerman, asked me to prepare a large ensemble version of it for his On Justice and Peace project. This piece is the result. Last Breath sets the last words of six young men killed by police in the last ten years. I hope it honors their memories in some small way. And it is to those memories, along with the countless others, that this work is dedicated. So since you're only listening and not seeing this performance, I will tell you that the last movement of this work is silence. So I encourage you to use the seconds of silence to reflect on what the piece is about and what you heard. Here is Armando Bajolo's Last Breaths, performed by the Montclair State University Wind Symphony, conducted by Dr. Thomas McCauley, featuring soloist Al-Jabril Muhammad.
Let me die. Please. 
Thanks so much for spending time with us in the band room. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed in today's episode, you should visit our website, bandroompod.com. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the band room and give us that rating and review and maybe tell a friend how much you enjoyed it. If you really love the show, consider donating to our Patreon page where you can donate to BRP and get some extra incentives in return, like bonus episodes, monthly Zoom hangs with me and a mystery guest, and even some BRP merch. Speaking of another way to support the podcast, you could buy some BRP merch helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on our social media at BandroomPod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what is on the go. And if you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website. And who knows, that comment might be featured in a future episode of BRP. 
A big giant thanks to composer EKR Hamill for letting us use his piece Skyline as the BRP theme music, which was performed by the University of Toronto Wind Ensemble, conducted by Dr. Gillian McKay. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the band room.